Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So more shocking information comes out about the vaccine. An actual scientific study put out there by a Ivy League trained medical doctor in the state of Florida, Joe Ladapo, Dr. Ladapo. And what do they do? Big tech does everything they can to shut it down. I thought they were about the science. Apparently, it's only the air quote science that they like that confirms their narrative. A lot to talk about today, including sleep. Sleep is racist now. Do you know that? <laughs> it's an actual piece, folks. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Going online without a VPN. It's like walking your dog without a leash. Most of the time, you're probably okay. But what if someone takes the dog or she runs away? Don't do it. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I had a great weekend this weekend. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, also, an update in the Hunter Biden case. A lot to talk about. Uh, today's show brought to you by Relief Band. This gizmo. These are my, is my actual relief band from when I went through uh, chemotherapy. Helped me get through chemo. Uh, this thing was invaluable. You got to check out Relief Band. It's the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband. And it's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and more. My daughter uses it on the boat when she gets motion sickness. It works like that. Just turn it on, turn it up, turn it down, boom, nausea done. Whether you need everyday relief or just an occasional cure for nausea, their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing of the past. It's like the name says, relief band is legitimately a band you wear in your wrist to give you relief from nausea. You want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, check out Relief Band. We've got an exclusive offer just for Bongino Show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com, and use promo code Bongino, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to reliefband.com, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D, reliefband.com, and use our promo code Bongino for 20% off plus free shipping. Reliefband.com, promo code Bongino. All right, Joseph, let's go. Monday, Monday. <laughs> Who sings that? Is that the Mamas and the Papas? Yes, it is. Hey, good one. Good man, for you. I'm on a roll, My baby. man. I am like on this pop culture stuff. I was on an O for 1,126 streak. Yeah. And the last three or four, I've actually gotten right. We did not plan that. So nope. this is good. Yeah. So I had a great weekend with Paula. We went out to a charity event, local charity event. A lot of Fox fans there. So I appreciate that. Um, had a little, uh, uh, little bit, probably too much <laughs> to drink. Had a, we rented a, a, this like kind of party van for me and my friends to go over. We took a few of my friends over to this charity event. We had a blast. We went out to dinner to my friend, uh, Kyle G's place, Oak and Ember up in Port St. Lucie, which was amazing. And, uh, I probably could have slept a little more over the weekend. You know that, uh, I don't sleep too well if I have too many vino tintos, you know what I mean? So sleep is racist now, too. I thought I would just throw this out there in the beginning of the oh, show oh, for you all you. to see. Okay. Yeah, it is. I, oh. You were like, why is he telling us about um, his weekend? We really don't care. Yeah, you shouldn't. I get it. I wouldn't care either. I mean, if it wasn't me. The Racial Inequality of Sleep by Brian Resnick at The Atlantic. Yes, uh, sleep is now <laughs> racist. This is. I had to double check, by the way. To make sure this article was real. Somebody found this thing online and I just, they popped it over to me this week and I thought, there we go. Nothing they won't inject race into. All right, enough of that nonsense. Just kind of a way to tie it. What's that? Joke, he wants to know because if he slept well, is he a racist? Come on, <laughs> what kind of stupid right question is. is that? Of you course you're a racist. Knock that crap Gosh, off. the hell's wrong? Right, you don't ask dumb questions. Come on, guy. All right, uh, getting back to the important stuff. So this weekend on my Fox show, I hope you caught it unfiltered. 
uh, airs obviously 9 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. Thanks, everybody, for watching. But I had a really important segment. If you missed it, uh, I'm going to play just a brief snippet of it here. Folks, um, you know, we're going to have a serious conversation here, and I, I don't want to keep relitigating this, but I think it's important to point out when I do something stupid that you know about it. That sounds kind of counterintuitive to a guy selling, uh, you know, a, a show. You want to, you know, look like you're smarter than everyone or whatever. Now, no, I don't want to look like that. I want to look like what I am, which is one of you. You know, a guy who cares deeply about the country and liberty and freedom and issues, but a guy who makes mistakes all the time. Matter of fact, my next book about failure is going to be an entire book about how I, you know, recovered from failures. I've been, I've been where I worked on it this weekend. I wrote about 2,000 words. So, folks, I failed when I didn't evaluate the vaccine properly. You know, I understand the scientific method well. I uh, spent a lot of years in graduate school on both the business side and the science side learning the scientific method, how to implement the scientific method. And the fact that I had this health crisis at the time and I, I was anxious and I kind of panicked a bit and took this vaccine early on really bad advice, I, I would add, from uh, a number of people I trusted. You know, it bothers me. It bothers me that I did that because there wasn't enough data on this vaccine. There just wasn't. And why I don't, but by the way, some of the people, that's not a blame thing. It's not. I mean, they were they were being given information too. And I should have known, like the longitudinal overtime process, if there's a side effect that's going to emerge, it obviously requires time. And I didn't do it. It's the greatest regret of my life is not thinking this thing through in a clear way. Why? Because now what's making me really increasingly anxious about this mRNA-specific vaccine, this the one mRNA vaccines, is big tech and government's combined efforts. Anytime some science emerges that may even mildly question the side effects or efficacy of this vaccine, their eagerness to take the beach ball and jam it underwater is having the opposite effect than they think. I don't know about you two guys, but for me, it says to me, Houston, there is a real problem here. Because if it wasn't a big deal, you get where I'm going with this? The big tech and the government wouldn't be so eager to suppress it. Right. They'd be like, oh, let it get out there. It's not a big deal. Like, we'll let them put this out there. And it's easily countered by X or Y. That's not what they do. They panic. And it says to me, what the hell are they panicking about if they're not worried? Here's what I mean. Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned doctor. Nobody questions his medical bona fides. Had him on my show multiple times. He has warned repeatedly about some of the potential side effects of these mRNA vaccines, right? What happens? As a couple studies start to pop, indicating he was onto something, Twitter suspends him which is making me really anxious that there's more under the surface, Joe, about the vaccine. Here's a little iceberg at the top. Here's the iceberg underwater. Mm -hmm. McCullough was on my show. He's about 30 seconds of what he said. Uh, he also mentions the new uh, bill out of California to pull the medical license of any doctor who does not uh, tow the company line on the vaccine. Listen to this. It's an act of medical censorship for sure. Dan, I had thousands of posted basically graphical abstracts of peer-reviewed papers as just was the science. It was bringing uh, late-breaking science to the community 
and people followed me all over the world. Uh, this is coming on the heels of California AB 2098, which was signed into law, yeah. which is the doctor muzzle law in California. Folks, it appears they're hiding something. This is what's got me freaked out. They, they, they're having it's kind of like the fact checker phenomenon, the paradox of the fact checker. That the fact checkers are so in with the liberal guiding ethos of the day and kissing the ass of the left that when they fact check something is false, everybody who's smart instinctively thinks it's true. And some of it isn't. The same thing is happening now. The more you suppress what McCullough says, the more it makes me believe you're afraid of the information he has, which makes me believe there's even worse information out there and you're trying to get ahead of it before McCullough puts it out there and figures it out, that this thing could be even worse. Here's what I mean. Not only they go after McCullough this weekend, they went after the Florida Surgeon General, an Ivy League trained medical doctor by the name of Joseph Ladapo. You may have heard of him. He's a brilliant man. Post-Millennial covered the story. Be in my newsletter. Read it. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Sorry, that sounded very Read it. It sounded like a leftist. If you'd like. <laughs> Bongino.com slash newsletter. You subscribe to the newsletter for free there and we'll get you these articles. Right. Can't, you can't emulate their style. We're not totalitarians. Post-Millennial covered it. Florida Surgeon General. COVID mRNA vaccine found to cause an 84% increase in death. Yeah, you're darn right. For men ages 18 to 39. The analysis found there's an 84% increase in the relative incident of cardiac related death among 18 to 39 year olds within 28 days following mRNA vaccination. Folks, Dr. Ladapo put a tweet up about it. You can see the tweet right here, this study, which was promptly censored by Twitter. They've since backtracked. But folks, this is serious stuff. Here we go. I got the goosebumps. <laughs> Just the natural biological reaction I have to information that really candidly makes me very anxious. I had this vaccine. I've told you repeatedly, it was an enormous, enormous mistake. It was a failure for me to follow the process and to think things through and to wait. Patience, it's a virtue. It's not just some, you know, slogan we throw out there. I didn't do that. I'm really worried about what I put in me. And, you know, if some of this information turns out to be True and replicated. Why? Because unlike leftists, I don't jump ahead of any science, good or bad, even if it comports with a narrative I believe to be true. This has to be replicated. It has to be replicated. It has to be reviewed by serious scientists out there. But this is not the first time we've heard this. If this turns out to be true and this risk is significant, I'm just wondering, is, are these effects permanent? Is this temporary? These are things we should all be worried about. Folks, big tech, of course, is all in on silencing us, though. They can't have this out there. They can't have this out there, and it's having the opposite effect. It's the paradox of big tech censorship that whenever they censor a story, what they do is they spread it further, and they push it further down into Internet sites they can't control and other places they can't control where it, where, where, where it widely distributes itself. They are so eager to stop you and shut you down. Did you see what happened with PayPal this weekend? So PayPal had a policy they had put out there. They're claiming it was some kind of mistake that it got out there. Honestly, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think they were just responding to backlash. 
Did you hear this? It's just the news story. Be no, in the I, newsletter. Read I didn't this hear one it. too. No, I haven't heard this. Until oh, now. this one's a doozy there, Daddy O. PayPal reverses course and withdraws a policy that would have fined users for misinformation. Now, they're saying now again, this is a mistake. It was a policy which would have allowed PayPal to deduct $2,500 from users' accounts as a penalty for misinformation. Can you imagine this? So you run a company. Oh, I'll leave that up a second. You run a company at Joe's Computer Shop or whatever it is. You're getting paid via PayPal. And then Joe's online and he puts out some information about the vaccine they don't like. And all of a sudden, Joe gets a $2,500 deduction from his account for misinformation. Folks, this story is real. Whether you believe PayPal's excuse or not, it's up to you. Let me read this. It's important. Until PayPal reversed it, and we were set to impose the new terms, they laid out a list of policy violations which would subject users to damages, including liquidated damages, $2,500 per violation, debited directly from your PayPal account. Get the hell oh. away from these crazy people as quick as you can. Hey, Among the violations... You get parallel economy, baby, right yep. now. I'm telling you, get away. That is why I've done this stuff. Among the violations is any activity promotes misinformation. Though the company did not clarify what it meant by that term. Of course not. Why would they do that? Also disallowed are messages, content, or materials that the company dubs in part objectionable. Folks, I've offered, I, uh, my entire life's mission is about giving you alternatives. I, 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 I Again, I respectfully and humbly ask that you consider using us for your payments online. Paralleleconomy.com, that you check it out. Get away from these people. We're not a direct competitor to PayPal, more to Stripe, but please, them too. Get away from these people as quickly as you can. This is only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better, I promise you. Okay, it's Monday, so we got a heavy news day today. I got a lot more to get to. There was a big break overseas uh, you know, we don't do a ton of foreign policy on the show. As I say, often there's enough happening in the United States, but this is serious. The situation appears to be escalating dramatically um, in Ukraine. I'm going to get to that uh, in a minute as well. I just got some other stuff I need to get to. It is a very, very busy news Monday. We have a lot of elections going on across the country. One of them that's very important is the governor's race in Georgia. Folks, these governor's races are critical. They're ultimately in charge of redistricting. For uh, at the state level, a lot of these governors, uh, state policies that start in states that are run by liberal lunatics like Stacey Abrams typically metastasize, wind up blowing up and spreading around the country. We can't just pretend the governorship of Georgia is about the governorship of Georgia. It isn't. Stuff that happens in California with nutty Gavin Newsom spreads around the country. We must win the governor's race because Stacey Abrams is a crazy person. She's the one who thinks a baby's heartbeat at six weeks is a right-wing conspiracy theory. She's crazy. And she is beloved in the lunatic liberal movement because she's a lunatic liberal. Now, they claim to be the party of science, censoring Ladapo, censoring McCullough, believing the science on the vaccine. What? It's science you like. Science you don't like, you don't want us to believe it. Matter of fact, you want to silence it. Here is uh, Stacey Abrams on with uh, Shannon Bream on Fox this weekend. Keep in mind, again, this is the party of science. Saying one of the dumbest things. She was a remind. I don't know if you agree with this, Key. Let me know. She reminds me a little bit of Buttigieg. She's very, listen, she's a very, very good speaker, just like Buttigieg. 
but there are very few human beings who have this skill to say absolutely nothing while saying a whole lot. She's like the female Pete Buttigieg. It's, we need a BS with Abrams. Well, here's what I mean right here. She's asked a simple question. You're a Democrat. Would you support any limits on abortion? And how many weeks in? Is it 15 weeks? After 20 weeks, it's illegal? What is it? Listen to this BS and how she says she's confused. She doesn't know. Nobody knows when pregnancy starts. <laughs> Wait, I got an answer for that one. Too. I, this is one maybe for the unfamily friendly version. Uh, Paula may not like me, but either way, I'm going to say, all right, listen to Stacey Abrams. She's confused when pregnancy starts. Check this out. Where would you draw the line? 15 weeks, viability, 36 weeks. What's the limit? Where, what I've always said is that abortion is a medical decision that should be made by a doctor and the woman. And that the point of viability as determined by a doctor should always take into consideration the life and health of a woman. That should be the standard. But the arbitrary standards of timelines ignore the medical reality that it is a fallacy. We know exactly when a pregnancy starts, that we know exactly where we are in the system. I mean, in the in the term. And what doctors will tell you is that they need to make decisions based on the woman they are treating. And what women will tell you is that they need the right to make medical decisions that can save their lives and save their ability to control their bodies and their futures holy moses i can't you know i can't um pregnancy starts after sex you remember yep she ever remember like you know like the you know the whole birds and the, the bees thing the birds and the bees she she this is a politician you understand this is the woman running for a very critical, important state in the southeast United States, Georgia, who's on TV with Shannon Bream, claiming nobody knows when a pregnancy starts. Now, some of you can pinpoint the day. I know I can with my second daughter, and I know I can with my first daughter as well. Uh, leave the details out, but I was watching a UFC fight one night over my brother's house in Maryland at the time, and Paula's like, hey, you should probably come home tonight. And I was like, okay. And Amelia was born nine months later. It was, wow, what a coincidence. It was just crazy. Nine, almost to the day. How'd that happen? Really weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Joe. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe um, osmosis. Yeah, this is a dink. It was just, okay. uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I breathed wrong on her or something. I have no Man, idea. But uh, someone should explain that to Stacey Abrams. Now, I, I mean, listen, we, we, we joke, but the reason I put this out there is you understand that this is why you should be proud. One of those chest out, chin up moments on a Monday that you're part of a movement that says what it believes, believes what it says and stands on principle. We believe in science. If you can show me later that this vaccine, this mRNA vaccine is perfectly safe and these cardiac events and that study are just anomalies, I will talk about it on the show. And candidly, I'd be relieved. You think I want a substance in my body that causes harp to to like uh, to make sure we win an argument with the libs, hey, beat the libs in this argument, folks. And by the way, I'm going to die of a cardiac. It doesn't work that way. Also, the fact that we understand when life begins, which is a scientific fact, and Stacey Abrams claims ignorance. This is an embarrassing party. They're also embarrassing because she's an election denier, too. Now, remember, they accuse us of being the party of anti-science, election denial, 
they, uh, they, they, you know, they're the party of tolerance and coexistence. Honestly, they can't, I mean, they say that and, and they can't honestly tell you that a baby should be allowed to coexist in the womb of its mother. They accuse us of being election deniers. They're the election deniers. I'm going to play that for you coming up in a minute, showing you who Stacey Abrams really is, how full of crap this woman really is. This is an important, important segment. These people are running for important positions. Joe's favorite sponsor first, rockauto.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. If you notice when you go to a big famous store online, a lot of stuff for sale actually comes from random people you never heard of. Listen, you don't want to buy a pacemaker for your chest or a set of brake pads from your, for your car from an anonymous marketplace seller. Those brakes better work. RockAuto.com doesn't carry pacemakers. Auto parts are the only things they do. They've been selling parts and related tools online for more than 20 years. A lot of them to Joe Armacost. RockAuto.com offers a huge selection of parts made by respected manufacturers with brands you both recognize and you trust. Their unique online catalog makes it easy to choose the correct parts to repair or maintain your car or truck. RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low across the board. They don't mark up prices for classic cars or charge crazy car dealer prices for parts for newer cars. Get the parts you need at rockauto.com. Highly recommend them. Rockauto.com. Do us a favor. When you check out, there's that how did you hear about us box, you know, that that pops up. Please write Bongino in there. B-O-N-G-I-N-O. It helps us a lot so they know we send you. Rockauto.com. It's a good company. They really care about their customers. Check them out. Rockauto.com. Thanks, Rockauto. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. So again, Stacey Abrams is not only a uh, total lunatic who claims she doesn't know how babies are made. She needs the birds and the bees lecture. She's also part of this growing leftist cabal that claims we're election deniers on the right. Now, how are we denying elections? Elections happen. No one's denying elections. What are you talking about? Stacey Abrams, however, is. Here's a quick little montage to remind you about Stacey Abrams, who she is, who attacks you for claiming something may have went wrong in the 2020 election, while she still hasn't accepted the fact that she lost her gubernatorial election last time to Brian Kemp. Here, check it out for yourself. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. She's using the word rigged, using the word steal. Do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to someone outside, ask if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. Election deniers? Sounds like she's the one denying the results of an election. Again, folks, chest out, chin up. You're on the right side of this stuff. Just hang in there. We got about, what, 20, 29 days. It's up on Fox right now. 29 days until the midterms. Get out and vote. If you're not registered, go today. People in your household aren't registered. Get them registered. Bring 10 people with you. 
I'm sorry I'm going to bother you about this every day, but we cannot lose. The fate of the country is at stake. It's the most important election of our lifetime until the next one. Every election is important. This one is critical. Your kid's livelihood may depend on it in the future. Okay, I got to give you a Hunter Biden update. Now, whenever you want a Hunter Biden update or an update on what the deep state is thinking about Hunter Biden, how to make the Hunter Biden crack-smoking prostitute <laughs> scandal go away, there are a few sources we should always go. I've said it to you over and over again, right? You ever want to find out what the deep state is saying, who do we go to? We go to Maggie Haberman, Natasha Bertrand, Ken Delanian, Adam Goldman. When the deep state, the intel community, the swampy bureaucrats want to get a narrative out there, regardless if it's true or not, they have these, these kind of echo chamber people. They know they can feed them a bunch of BS, and they understand that these people will just carelessly print it, doing no homework at all. I would make a strong case to you that Delanian or Bertrand are the worst. Delanian is probably the gold medal winner in that category. Deep state mouthpieces, really. I mean, Delanian has almost no discretion whatsoever. The guy is just, he's not even a stupid, smart person. He's just an ignoramus all around. So when Delanian's saying something, you have to understand he's speaking on behalf of the Biden deep state, the DOJ and the intel community, many of which at the upper levels have been entirely corrupted, okay? Here he is on a hit this weekend. I want you to pay very close attention to what he says about Hunter Biden. Because remember, he's speaking on behalf of the Biden administration here. I want you to pay attention to the no hint of like influence peddling line. And another thing he fails to ask in this. Keep in mind, he's speaking for the Biden administration. You'll get what I mean. Check this out. In terms of like corruption, conflict of interest, we've never heard a hint that that was that there were potential criminal charges there because Hunter Biden wasn't an office holder. It was perfectly legal for him to take money from foreign governments uh, as long as it wasn't he wasn't inappropriately giving them information from his family or something. There's no hint of that. As bad as it looks, we should all acknowledge it looked terrible. He did this while his father was vice president and in charge of Ukraine issues. And he was taking $50,000 a month from that energy company. But no hint that, that he was ever going to be charged on that count. But again, yes, the tax charges uh, it's a fairly simple proposition, but now it all comes down to what is this U.S. attorney in Delaware who was appointed by Donald Trump? What is he going to decide on this case? I had to take some notes. You know what is funny? Listening to this, I forgot a few things. Listening to it again, I even missed a few. Okay, so here are the Biden administration talking points. He is a mouthpiece for them. Did you catch him? Number one, eh, this may have looked bad. Oh, you think? Vice President's son, now President's son, taking money from foreign governments, selling his dad's name with his dad allegedly cut in as a business partner. Uh, uh, what? Looks bad. No, it is bad. A lot of things look bad. You know that clown from the movie It? It looks bad, too, because it's bad and it like kills kids and stuff. That's why it looks bad. This looks really bad because it is. Talking point one from the Biden administration, relayed through echo chamber Delanian, looks bad, but there's no hint that there was any information exchanged or there was any serious influence peddling done to unduly influence Joe Biden. You understand that's a talking point that's coming right from the Biden intel community, the Biden FBI, and the Biden White House. You get that, right? Delanian is entirely uncritical about this. 
What's talking point number two or 2.123? Did you catch it? And by the way, you know, the, the guy looking at this is a Trump appointee. So it's a political thing. A political thing. It's another do it's a political thing all the time. It's got nothing to do with the fact that Hunter Biden may have been up to no good with malfeasance and misfeasance. It's just a Trump appointee. Now, I said in the beginning, there's a catch to this whole thing that Delanian, who that this guy portrays himself as a reporter. I mean, candidly, folks, is hilarious. The guy's just a knucklehead and an embarrassing one at that. And then no one follows up and asks him basic questions like. Ken, you just said that there's no hint of like information exchange and influence peddling and Joe Biden having a role in this. Joe, there's a way to figure that out. The way to figure that out would just be to get Biden deposed and to ask him, ask him question. See, there's a way to do that. To see if he was involved. And you know what it is? It's to see if he was involved. <laughs> but notice how Delaney leaves that out. He jumps to the, the, the deep state Biden, DOJ, Biden, FBI conclusion. Because that's what Delaney does. That's why he has his ass, his, his, his freaking uh, lips attached to the ass of the deep state. Because they know he'll repeat basically word for word whatever they tell him to say. We don't know there was any influence peddling or information exchange. Well, you could find that out by asking Joe Biden. Has that ever occurred to you? He leaves that out completely. The same guy, Delanian, is the guy who was like demanding action on the pee hoax stuff, despite the fact there was no evidence it was true at all. Weird how he's a reporter and demands no action now whatsoever. Just repeats it. All right, I want to get to what's going on and hap- what happened last night in Ukraine because uh, Guy walked in this morning. He's like, hey, dude, I don't know about you, man. I'm a little worried about this stuff. Yeah, me too. I'm going to give you the, there's really no good news out of Ukraine. I'll give you the bad news and the not so bad news. I'm trying to be delicate with the framing because words matter. There's no good news coming out of there. But there is an article I read this week and that, I don't know, I breathed a little bit easier and I do mean a little bit. Uh, Let me get to this first. Preparewithdan.com. That's the website for My Patriot Supply. They sell emergency food and products. It's my go-to. Are you listening to what the farmers keep saying? The warning of widespread food shortages ahead. Are you ready for that? Folks, uh, listen, this isn't part of the spot here, but uh, this next segment we're going to do is about a very serious situation, potential nuclear war. This may be a spot. They didn't pay me extra to say this, but you got to get prepared. Don't expect your neighbors or your government to take care of you if things break bad. You, you owe it to yourself and your family to be prepared. Uh, get yourself some emergency, uh, emergency food now. I mean, I just got some more this past week. Go to preparewithdan.com. I showed you the receipt last week. I buy it myself. Go to preparewithdan.com. You'll save 20% on a three-month emergency food kit for My Patriot Supply. That's the minimum you should have. And get a kit from every member of your family. It has breakfast, lunch, dinners, and snacks. Provides over 2,000 calories a day for three solid months. It stays fresh for up to 25 years. When you need it, it'll be there. It'll be ready to eat. Act now and get a 20% discount per kit. Order one kit for each person in your care. You'll always need more than you think. Go to preparewithdan.com and save 20%. Your kits will ship fast and free in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewithdan.com. Save big in the emergency food you're going to need. I wish you didn't, but you will. That's preparewithdan.com. Preparewithdan.com. Please, please don't wait. 
With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Okay, so uh, Putin's getting desperate. He has targeted civilians for a long time in his war in Ukraine. Uh, Putin, I mean, he's a terrorist. He's always been a terrorist. Uh, Vladimir Putin has no regard for human life whatsoever. Um, He has now upped the ante by not only targeting civilians, but openly targeting civilians in population centers and not even making it appear anymore like they're even semi-military targets. Daily Mail covers that article be in the newsletter again. Putin warns of a severe response to further attacks after 83 missiles hit Ukrainian cities, reaping death and destruction across the country as revenge for the Crimea bridge blast. Now, regardless of your feelings about this war, you know, one thing has become abundantly clear. Um, If, you know, Russia were to stop attacking Ukraine, this fight would be over tomorrow. If Ukraine were to stop fighting back, uh, there'd be no more Ukraine. It would be Russia's Ukraine. That's clear. Regardless of your feelings on the matter, our level of involvement where we should be, we've spoken about it. You know my position on that. I've spoken about it often. But folks, I'm getting worried. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who was a former president of Russia, is obviously a Putin ally, uh, spoke out and said, this is just the first episode. Now, um, anyone playing down the threat of a nuclear strike, even though Vladimir Putin has repeatedly said he is not only willing, but able to use nuclear weapons in this fight and is looking for an excuse to do so. Anyone who plays that down and says, Oh, he's not going to do that. I'm really sorry, but you're, you're not playing with fire. You're playing with nuclear annihilation. Some of us said the same thing about Ukraine. He's not dumb enough to invade Ukraine. Yeah, he was. He's getting desperate, which is making me a little worried. He came in. It's the first thing he talked about this morning. And it should have you a little anxious, too. I panicked. Nobody panics with the United States. We've been in bad situations before. Here's a, I don't even want to say, a little bit of less bad news on this. So the bad news is obviously Putin is telling us now this is just the first episode. He's now openly attacking civilian targets. This is a really, really, really bad idea, this escalation. On the less bad news, Holman Jenkins had a piece in the Wall Street Journal this weekend. He's he's a pretty sober thinker on these things. He says, uh, Putin nuclear weapons in my emailers. He says the maximum danger may be receding. I read that. I was like, I got to read this piece as the Russian media accept the possibility of defeat. His logic is this about Putin. Again, folks, I'm just giving you both sides. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to give you the information. You make your own decisions. I just gave you the bad news. Putin's threatening nukes, and I think he may use them. The less bad news, Jenkins notes that Putin's position is impossible. Discussion now of whether the West should adapt regime change as an aim seems a might superfluous given the mess he's created for himself, even if it takes months or years or two to play out. He goes on. Presumably, Putin's considering whether detonating a nuclear weapon might make the West pressure Ukraine to call off its offensive. The likelier effect would be to hasten the retreat of his own troops before a fallout cloud landed on them. Nor can he broach negotiations his other escape route without also signaling his troops to give up the fight. 
So Jenkins is saying, listen, the guy's in a really terrible position. He can't retreat because then it's over. He's had a psychologically, he's going to have the, the Russian psyche is going to be destroyed as they basically are defeated by what was considered an inferior military uh, enemy in Ukraine. But he's saying, on the other hand, that all this talk of nuclear weapons may be premature because this isn't the kind of thing you detonate. It's not like a, t a typical percussion bomb or a, a bomb based on just the ex explosive yield at the time. That hits, it destroys, and it's over. That's not what happens with a nuclear weapon. There's fallout, there's nuclear radiation. This would wind up impacting him as well and his troops. So there'd have to be some tactical, what is he going to do, drop a nuke on his own soldiers? I'm not telling you the article put me at ease. I'm just telling you that this is the crazy man thing, that we may be getting to the point where even his own generals know that this guy's nuts. And I'm hoping that we are doing some back channel work to get to his generals and his people to say, listen, I know your boss is crazy, but you guys do this. We're going to nuke your kids, too. Just By so, the way, Biden. I'm sorry. Just so you know, Europe is at DEFCON 2. We're at DEFCON 3. Oh, is that right? Is that what you sent me this morning? Yeah. Yeah. That? Yeah. You yeah, check it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Joe's like a DEFCON watcher. This is freaking Joe out, too. By it the is, way. by the way. <laughs> you know, I know because he sends me, Joe doesn't email me. Though. He sends me the DEFCON thing every morning. I know. We're there. But don't worry, Joe. As Twitchy notes, uh, Biden told everyone last week as I covered that they were closest to nuclear Armageddon. Uh, the closest we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. But uh, no sweat. Uh, Biden headed off to Delaware uh, for the weekend. So oh. uh, no big deal. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's everything. Uh, put every, at ease, folks. At ease. Eric Adams from New York. New York City mayor sums up the liberal ideology in uh, one simple, not so elegant talk, uh, talking point. Again, chest up, chin out. Be proud you're a conservative. Because this sums up just like Stacey Abrams. Uh, the lunacy of the modern left, understanding you're on the right side of the information and the morality curve and the sanity curve as well. Here's a mayor of New York City talking about the buses of illegal immigrants winding up in New York. He's very concerned. He says, well, we didn't ask for this in New York. Newsflash, Eric, uh, Mr. Mayor Eric, sorry. Uh, no one in Texas or Arizona or border states asked for it either. So it's kind of weird how you became a sanctuary city asking for it. Come on in, illegals. Come here. We will provide you sanctuary. You are welcome. Everyone, please come in. And then they actually come into New York City and you're saying, we didn't ask for that. We didn't mean that by sanctuary city. Here, listen to yourself. New Yorkers are angry. I am angry too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up. There's no playbook for this, no precedent. Yeah, yeah, there is actually a uh, playbook for this, uh, Eric. The playbook for this is what Donald Trump was doing when the illegal immigration numbers were down dramatically. Declare a remain in Mexico policy through the migrant protection protocols. That way you couldn't come into the United States and stay in the United States while your hearing was being adjudicated. Build a wall so you can't just walk in. There was actually a plan for this. You guys just didn't like it. You just don't like it when all of these illegal immigrants show up on your doorstep. You can pay for it now, too. 
Listen, I grew up in New York City. I don't wish ill will on anyone in New York City. I grew up there. I don't. But a lot of you voted for this guy, and this is exactly what you're going to get. You would have had a Republican in there who was serious about law and order. He would turn those buses around and send them back. I'm not suggesting to you that's a good idea, but I'm suggesting he won't do it because what happens? Then he's got his left wing bothering him too. So he's trying to play this ridiculous balancing act. You get it? Make sure you tell everyone they're not welcome here with a wink and a nod. There's no plan for this. But then because the left wing wants illegal immigration, make sure we still take all the buses. You see how when you're unprincipled, it puts you in an untenable spot? Ridiculous. Speaking of unprincipled, you remember this guy? Remember Ibram Kendi? Ibram Kendi's a big proponent of critical racism theory, the theory that everyone should be a racist by judging everyone by their skin color. Uh, yeah, that's not what it says. No, no, that's exactly what it says. You can do all the Eric Adams, Stacey Abrams wordsmithing you'd like. That is exactly what critical racism training is, otherwise known as critical race theory. Training people to be racist and to see skin color first and everything second, which by definition, I'll have you note, is racist. Here's Ibram Kendi, not a particularly bright guy, like Stacey Abrams, the stupid smart people, right? Here he is when asked about racism. And I, you guys may have seen this before. If you haven't, it's worth playing again because something happened. There's a news peg to this. It's important, right? This is funny. When asked to describe an object or a thing, folks, you should not describe the object or the thing using a description of the object or the thing. In other words, if I ask you to describe what a pen is and your description is a pen-like object, that is not, in <laughs> fact, the definition. No. It is simply using the word you asked me to define in the definition because you can't think of another word to define what you want to define. Here's Ibram Kendi, who's gotten very rich off training people to be racist. Ask a pretty simple question. Hey, uh, what's racism there, guy? Listen to this ridiculous answer. Check this out. How do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> sure. A, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is a pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. He's like, dude, this guy's such a lightweight, isn't he, Joe? What's racism? It's a racisty, racist, racist thing that leads to racist stuff that definitely is caused by racist <laughs> stuff that ends in racist stuff. What the? This Ibram Kendi. That's who this guy is. That was Guy's idea to throw that in there, but I, I had actually forgotten about that. Here's what I was, where I was going with this. So I see this Media Research Senate article I've been holding for a couple of days here. It popped a few days ago. You want to know why, you know, I'm writing this chapter and we finished it last night. The chapter last night is about 2000 words and it's a book about failure. I'm not going to wear you out with it. Don't worry. But uh, I hate that stuff. Like people trying to always talk something to you. It drives me crazy. But uh, I, I really love the book so far. And the opening chapter is about something that happened to me in Little League that tied to later in life, especially some of the bigger decisions I made. 
And uh, I love baseball and I loved it a lot, but baseball doesn't love me anymore. What does that have to do with Ibram Kendi? Media Research Center. Baseball strengthens its woke credentials with CRT nut at Fenway Park. On Monday nights last week, the Red Sox invited Ibram Kendi, a, a, I mean a, a racist, by just read his own words. I'll show you in a minute. To throw out the first pitch? You believe this crap? Now you wonder why. You know, this book I'm writing about failure, I make this note about how they have failed to attract me as a fan anymore because it's almost impossible outside of maybe watching Aaron Judge, which I thought was a good storyline this weekend, uh, break uh, the American League record. Some would argue the record, but that's for another day for home runs. It's really difficult to me to get into baseball anymore, knowing that these people like the Red Sox and these organizations are celebrating people who are openly destroying America. Ibram Kendi's a racist. Here's his own words, folks, in his book, how to be an anti-racist, which is like the biggest dipsy do flipperoo you're ever going to read. The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. Those are his words, man. They're not my words. I, I, I really, again, it's not even the hip hop. Oh, if a conservative said that, you'd be called a white supremacist. Yeah, of course you would. Forget the hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy. It's about hierarchy. These people are in charge of the culture and we're not. It's do you understand that the guy is openly calling for discrimination in the future and the Red Sox are celebrating this guy, having him throw out the first pitch. And you wonder why I can't watch sports anymore. All right, let me get to my, uh, my next sponsor here. I began using uh, GenuCell's most popular package recently, went to get a facial, and the technician said I have impeccable skin. She's seen 20-year-olds don't have skin as nice as mine. That's Julia from Arlington, Texas. It was blown away by the results she saw from GenuCell. It's not just Julia, folks. My mother-in-law uses the GenuCell line. She loves it. It's such an awesome, the stories, the founder, is, uh, it's just a great story. All the products are still formulated by the founder. In fact, the very first product was created simply as a favor to a customer in his pharmacy. Now, see the results for yourself with GenuCell's most popular package, just like Julia. For a limited time, Every most popular package is 70% off, plus you'll get GenuCell's customer favorite, hyaluronic acid correcting serum, free. GenuCell's most popular package treats tens of millions of everyday skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawlines, even those annoying bags and puffiness for men and women just like you. And with its visible effects, GenuCell guarantees results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Go to GenuCell.com slash Dan. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. GenuCell.com slash Dan for a limited time. Your most popular package order includes a complimentary gift set with your subscription, plus free express shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Dan. GenuCell.com slash Dan. All right, a couple other things I want to get to here. Uh, Daily Caller is a loaded news day, as you can see. We're putting together, put a lot of work into this show this weekend. Heather McDonald has a great piece in the Daily Caller. We have an election coming up. Candidates, pay attention. Activists, pay attention too. You're going to have the opportunity at town halls and elsewhere to confront people. All of you have this. All of you have a cell phone camera or a computer. You can show up and, you know, ask candidates questions at events, county fairs. You should get it on tape. Heather McDonald has these four questions we should be asking Democrats on crime, and they're good ones. 
She notes the Republican challenge to every Democrat candidate on crime should be, here's question number one and two. If a criminal loots a store, should he be arrested and prosecuted? Get him on the record. Can almost guarantee you the radical lefty nuts will have a tough time answering that. Question number two. Do you support the de facto decriminalization of shoplifting, turnstile jumping, squeegee extortion, trespass, burglary, illegal gun possession, and just some of the crimes left-wing DAs are declining to prosecute on racial justice grounds? Get them on the record. They will never be able to answer these questions honestly without infuriating their pro-crime left-wing base. Get them on the record. People will be furious when they hear their real answers. Question three, should the race card play a role? Should race play a role in criminal justice policy? There is no way they answer that honestly. They believe in Ibram Kendi. We must discriminate. White people, you should go to jail. If you're a minority group, it's definitely racism to put you in jail. Finally, in May 2022, Biden released an executive order alleging there's systemic racism in our criminal justice system and that the police disproportionately kill black and brown people. Do you agree? That is factually inaccurate. They do not, in fact, disproportionately kill black and brown people. That is made up. Get them on the record. Those are four genius questions. Why? Because they will pit the liberal candidates on, on video. It will pit them against a left-wing base who believes in all this crap. It's nonsense. A bit of good news for you on a Monday morning, the DACA program. I don't know if you saw this. Blaze covered it. And uh, a judge has finally ruled this to be unconstitutional. Remember DACA said that children who came here, uh, that, we, we were, that they could stay and we could give them work permits, which created, ladies and gentlemen, a special due process problem. It gave special privileges for allowing these people to stay in violation of law, privileges you don't have between DACA and DAPA, the subsequent program. DACA was now, it's a, yeah, on Wednesday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed uh, with Obama. Remember, Obama said this himself, that he did not have the power to pass this amnesty program without Congress passing a law. The three-judge panel affirmed the lower court ruling from July of 2021, said Obama did not have the constitutional authority to implement the program via executive memo. This is an important development and a good one. This is a, a, a segment Molly Hemingway did. Now, this is from 2018. It's short. But Molly Hemingway explains this beautifully. Remember, this amnesty program, DACA, was done by executive order. It wasn't done by any law. Of course, it was going to be ruled unconstitutional. Hemingway called it back in 2018. How you can't have it both ways. Either it's an executive order that another executive can get rid of the order or it's a law. It's not both. Check this out. The Constitution clearly gives the authority for this type of program to Congress. Congress is the one that should be doing this. A very similar type of program that President Obama had was ruled unconstitutional when state attorney generals had challenged it. It would be exactly the same situation with this one. So it seems kind of unbelievable that you would be told that this is something that can't be done. President Obama didn't have the authority to do this, but somehow that was okay. But when President Trump tries to correct that issue by rescinding it, then he can't do it. You can't have it both ways, folks. That's from 2018. You can't have an executive order implemented by the executive office of the president that the next president can't undo. You know how you get around that, Joe? You have Congress enact a law and then the president can't undo it without go. a new law. That's how that works. Is any of this hard? Is we need like the Charlie Brown's Encyclopedia of Government for the left? Speaking of which, 
This is an article I said I was going to get to last week. I'm going to wrap the show up with it today because it's an important one. It's a deeper dive, but I strongly, strongly recommend you read this. It's in the Wall Street Journal by William McGurn, so it's subscription only. But if you have a subscription, put this in a search engine and read this article. It's so good because it's something I've talked about with Joe in the basement when we started the podcast eight years ago. I was discussing the big, big differences between capitalism and socialism. Not the small stuff, the big stuff. Why it will never work. Capitalism says the more population, the merrier. That's the name of the piece. Really, really good. Talks about the benefits of this of capitalism and how it's not only efficient, but because it locates the source of wealth. Capitalism locates the source of wealth. Think about this for a second. Where's the source of wealth? Don't go with your first answer. Your first answer is probably like, oh, you know, oil, gas, resources, factories. Nope. 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 Big mistake. It's not the source of wealth. Folks, you know, when we were, you know, burning whale blubber and kerosene and lamps, the black stuff that used to come out of the ground we call oil was considered a waste product. But some human mind figured out that the hydrocarbon bonds and the petrochemicals there could be used for energy. And it became a resource. But it was only a resource because someone thought of it. The source of wealth is in the human mind. Listen, I don't want to get too dramatic about this and you know, start trying to do a wax philosophic here. But the source of wealth has been always considered by the socialists to be the factories. That's why socialism, which is the opposite of capitalism, involves the confiscation of the means of production. If you are a communist, you take people's farms and you take their factories. The reason communism never works and will especially never work um, in today's modern society, is although you can take people's property, you can never take their money. You have to kill them to take what's in their mind. People will always find a way around it. And they can spread an idea even when you take their property away, especially now given the democratization of the internet and social media. They're built, now, McGurn's making this argument about how superior capitalism is because he says, listen, we're all being pessimists. This is where I'm leaving you with the good news. He says, don't be a pessimist. He's this book out, Superabundance, coming out, where it makes the point that we are going to get wealthier because there's more people. And therefore, I just told you, Joe, the source of wealth is where? The mind. More people means more minds. Overpopulation is not a thing because the more people we create, the more ideas we create, the more resources we build. And that's what's leading to the superabundance. They bring up another point that if any of this was true, that human beings are some cancerous rot on society, right? Then this point wouldn't make any sense. They they talk about this uh this time this time price theory. That if Joe, if resources are finite and overpopulation is a problem and the socialists are right, hmm? then how come they have this time price notion? Well, what's time price? Read this is so cool. How long it takes to earn the money necessary to buy an item. Well, if we were all getting poorer because of overpopulation and, you know, virally replicating human being parasites, then how come things are just cheaper now? They note that a factory worker in 1850 had to work two hours and 50 minutes to buy a pound of sugar. While his counterpart today has to only work 35 seconds. Multiply that by similar gains and hundreds of other resources and commodities. And the result is super abundant. Why capitalism will always be far superior 
Human beings are not just batteries, folks. They're minds given by God who figure out how to make things and make things cheaper and better. Maybe our education system, if it wasn't infected by CRT, would be teaching our kids that. Socialism wouldn't be a debate anymore. All right, thanks again for tuning in, folks. Check me out on the radio show later. I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show, mean a lot. Apple, Spotify, and of course on Rumble, rumble.com slash Bongino. Those subscriptions are what keep us alive. We really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you very much. See you all on the radio show later. You just heard Dan Bongino.